All right, awesome job by Robin and the Youth Choir. Kids, kindergarten through grade four, can be dismissed to Children's Church. So those of you that that applies to, and I don't know if, whoops, <laughs> and I don't know if uh, any of the older kids want to find different seats for themselves. Uh, a big, a big thank you uh, to Robin for all that she does with the kids' choir. Uh, she enjoys it, so she says, but it's still a lot of work. Um, so thank you, thank you to her for that. And uh, yeah, also, so good news for us today, um, we ran out of bulletins, which is a great problem to have. So for those of you that didn't end up with a bulletin, my apologies. Uh, we'll make sure to print more next week, but, uh, but yeah, that's also, that's a good problem to have and hopefully a problem that we will continue to have in the future. Hopefully we'll just have to keep on printing more and more bulletins. That would be awesome. So last Sunday afternoon, the New York Jets football team played the Las Vegas Raiders. The Jets lost the game 31 to 28. This is not a surprising result. Going into the contest, the Raiders had a record of 6 and 5, while the Jets were 0 and 11. What was surprising was the way the Jets lost. With 11 seconds left, 11 seconds, in the fourth quarter, the Jets actually held the lead 28 to 24. The Raiders had the ball 46 yards away from the end zone with no timeouts left. Their only hope was to score a touchdown in the final seconds of the game. Now normally in this situation, the quarterback would throw what is known as a Hail Mary. This is when the quarterback just launches the ball for the end zone and the joke kind of has it, says a prayer and hopes one of his receivers comes down with it. Hail Marys are effective about one out of every 12 times they are attempted. The main reason for the low success rate is that defenses know what is coming. So normally a defense in this situation will put six or even eight guys back in the end zone so that when the ball is thrown into the end zone, they can either intercept it or knock it down. Despite the fact that the only way the Jets could lose was by allowing a Hail Mary touchdown pass, they opted to not put extra defenders in the end zone. They had their defenders line up in man coverage with no help. The Raiders quarterback was able to throw a touchdown with relative ease to win the game. The Jets are now 0-12. Greg Williams, the coach responsible for calling the defense on that final play, got fired on Monday, less than 24 hours later, for his lack of wisdom. That was an expensive mistake. While deciding how to defend Hail Marys is not a decision most of us will ever have to make, we are all faced with difficult decisions daily. The choices we make in those circumstances 
have consequences. None of us wants to be like Greg Williams, a laughingstock among our peers and unemployed. Whether the decisions we make are wise or foolish determines how our lives play out. In the verses we are going to read today from 1 Corinthians, Paul turns his attention to the topic of wisdom. Let's see what he has to say now from chapter 2 of the book that God inspired him to write. We will be reading verses 6 through 10. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Corinthians receiving this letter wanted wisdom. They have their own thoughts on what wisdom consists of. Paul wants them to know that wisdom is something that God wants to give them, although it doesn't function in the way they expect. Throughout the Bible, wisdom gets a lot of attention. Proverbs 3.15 says, It is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Like the Christians in Corinth, we should want to be wise. To be wise, to know what to believe and how to live in accordance with the truth, we need to look to God who has prepared all for those who love him. Scripture has a lot to say about wisdom. Before we talk about what 1 Corinthians or the Bible in general has to say specifically about the subject, we should define what wisdom is more broadly. A basic definition would be that wisdom is the ability to make the right choice when faced with a decision. We all face a million decisions daily. Many of these decisions seem insignificant. What should I eat for lunch? Or what should I do to entertain myself this evening? Other decisions are obviously not inconsequential. Sometimes we have to decide who to marry, whether to apply for a different job, or how to respond relationally to a family member that is having a hard time. These are often not easy decisions to make. All the decisions we make in our lives, the small ones and the big ones, add up to the life that we have. The life each of us has 
is the life that we have chosen through the decisions that we have made. This does not mean that there are no factors outside of our control. There certainly are. What it means is that the decisions we make have a huge impact on what our life actually is. Being able to make wise decisions is key. Everyone is trying to do so. We all want a good life. The reason wisdom is so rare is actually just that. Decisions that get made are an attempt to bring about a good life. The problem is the way a good life gets defined is frequently wrong. The definition is a product of our desire. We set our sights on comfort or power or adoration or some combination. We fail to realize our desires are not good. The orthodoxy of the modern world is that nobody should question the goodness of another person's desire. Desires being satisfied so long as doing so doesn't negatively impact the fulfillment of others' desires is the supreme good. However, when we have the wrong goal, the decisions we make to achieve that goal will be wrong as well. Last week, I was supposed to meet a, another pastor for coffee. And so in the emails that went back and forth ahead of time, I said to him, what's the address of the coffee place that we are meeting at? Because I wanted us to both end up at the same location, right? And so he gave me an address and the day came when we were supposed to have coffee and I checked how long it would take to get to the address. And then I got in my car and put it in my GPS and went on my way and was making all the turns and just sort of going along. And then I got to where the address said the, the goal that I had set for myself, and I found I was in the middle of nowhere. There was no coffee shop to be found. The decisions that I had made leading to my goal were all correct decisions, but I had the wrong goal. The wisdom of this age is doomed to pass away. It leads nowhere. The good life that is so diligently pursued in this world is a lie that we are tempted to believe. A life built on unchecked desire will end poorly. Wisdom comes about through pursuing a good life that aligns with the truth. God has decreed what is wise and true. We can resist God's declaration we can pursue our own truth based on what we want to be true. In doing so, we make it clear that we think we know more than God knows. We're saying, God, I understand that you designed this whole world and everything in it, including me. However, I think I know more than you about how it should work. You see, God, I think what I want to be true is more worth listening to 
than what you have declared. So I'm just going to do my own thing. Going our own way is the opposite of wise. It is foolish. God designed this world. He breathed life into us. It would be ridiculous to go purchase some really expensive piece of equipment, some new tool, then totally disregard information from its inventor on how to use it. Yet this is often how we live our lives. God's desire for us to lead an existence in keeping with his wisdom is not based on a desire to limit us. He wants us to get the most possible out of our lives. No person can arrive at godly wisdom on their own. Even those they're supposed to know the most. The rulers of this age, Paul references in the passage, are totally bankrupt when it comes to the wisdom of God. It is not that the people that we look to as models, as examples for us and how to live, do not have a certain type of wisdom. They, they do. Their wisdom is a worldly wisdom. They know how to get ahead by the standards of this broken world. The knowledge of how to manipulate and scheme their way to the top is extraordinary. They can build for themselves a worldly kingdom. Those that exhibit worldly street smarts can gain power, comfort, money, and fame. Those that want these things think they should follow those who have done the best job at achieving them. It is not surprising that many young women would look to Kim Kardashian as a role model. They want what she has. By the worldly standards of success, she is a tremendous success story. The biographies of business leaders sell well because there are many that want what they have. The rulers of this age have a certain type of wisdom that attracts a following. We need to be careful who we follow. The most successful rulers of this age are able to create a cult of personality that draws people to themselves. The most famous example of this is Hitler, but he was in no way unique. We look back and wonder, how could everyday Germans have followed such a ridiculous individual into absolute destruction? Again and again, leaders rise to power through propagating a worldly wisdom that enough people want to believe by sharing a myth that grabs on to the hearts of people that are already invested in certain lives. Tragically, you see this happen in churches as well. A pastor or teacher comes along that twists what God has clearly said, normally just slightly, for their own benefit. 
They might have even convinced themselves that what they're saying is true. There are many symptoms that identify a leader in the church that should not be trusted. Greed, lack of accountability, and anger. The most common, I think, is a lack of humility. Any wisdom of God that a person enjoys has been given them by God. Paul imparts a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. He cannot claim that what he knows is a product of his own abilities. Earlier in his life, Paul thought he had everything all figured out. Jesus had to blind him on the road to Damascus to set him straight. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot arrive at knowledge of God's wisdom through our own senses. We cannot even imagine it. God prepared it for those who love him. Nobody who has wisdom from God can boast in themselves. They can only boast in what the Lord has done. God could have left us in darkness. Doing so would have been easier. We have not exactly absorbed God's wisdom over the years like a sponge. Instead, the light of God's wisdom invaded the world, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the revealing of the mystery of God that is the basis for the wisdom God gives. Jesus and everything else that is included in the secret wisdom of God has been revealed to us through the Spirit. This revelation has already begun for Christians. You cannot be a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit working in your heart. It is the Spirit who makes us aware of God. The God of the Bible is not an idea that occurs to anyone. John Calvin had a humorous quote in this regard. He said, Man with all his shrewdness is as stupid about understanding by himself the mysteries of God as a donkey is incapable of understanding musical harmony. Who's heard Dominic the Christmas donkey on the radio recently? Donkeys do not have a great grasp of musical harmony. People do not know God's mysteries on their own. God has to make himself known to us. The Holy Spirit redeems us with the truth of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 9 says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
Titus 3, 5, and 6 says, Jesus saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our knowledge of God and Jesus are mediated by the Holy Spirit. Other religions teach two main ways of knowing God. In Judaism and Islam, God is an external reality that must be responded to. In Eastern religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, the divine is more of an internal reality that must be discovered. The way we experience God through the Holy Spirit in Christianity is different. God is external to us, as in Judaism or Islam, but like in Hinduism or Buddhism, the Holy Spirit works from within. Through the Holy Spirit, God is present in the lives of believers. But the Spirit is pointing us to the truth of God that transcends us. The Holy Spirit's revelation of God's mystery and wisdom happens on an ongoing basis. At no point can we say, I've unraveled God. God is not a Rubik's Cube. He is not a subject that can be mastered by us. Any person that thinks they know God fully in this world is operating on a limited conception of who God is. The more we know of God, the more we must realize how much more we have to know. In the Bible, when people come into contact with God in an unfiltered way, they are struck dumb. They fall down on their knees in worship. This doesn't mean knowing more about God through the Holy Spirit leaves us in an awe-induced stupor. Increased knowledge of God's light helps us to see clearly how the world operates. Wisdom comes through knowing God. This world is not a mystery to God. He knows all the physical causes and effects. The thoughts of men are not a secret to him. The Holy Spirit imparts to us the wisdom of God so that we can know how to live. The Spirit changes who we are. He clarifies for us what a good life consists of. He directs our paths in pursuit of this goal. We can walk with the Spirit. The wisdom that comes from the Spirit is not of this age. It surpasses worldly wisdom. It is God's wisdom, His eternal truth applied to our individual experience. We all face decisions every day. Mostly they are small, although all those small decisions add up to a lifestyle with real consequences. You know how much, how many extra calories you need to take in to gain about 15 pounds in a year? To gain 15 pounds in a year, you need to take in 140 
extra calories. That's one Coke, one small decision daily. Choosing to stare at my phone when I'm bored, it's not really a big deal. That's a small decision. But if I'm doing that constantly, and if in doing that I'm looking to the rulers of this age that are communicating to me through that phone, and I'm letting them determine for me how I see the world and what is true, the life I build on that truth will not be a life of wisdom. Small choices add up. Sometimes the decisions we face are much more significant. The possible results of these decisions are more obvious. Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Jets, had to make a big decision. The decision he made was wrong. He is now updating his resume. Whatever types of decisions we need to make, whether they be big or small, we need wisdom. Wisdom comes from God through the Holy Spirit. We cannot know God or his ways on our own. We might become wise in the ways of the world, like the rulers of this age, but such wisdom will inevitably fail. God will show the foolishness of this world's wisdom. If we want to be wise, we must know God. Wisdom begins with knowledge of Jesus Christ. He reveals to us what we could not have imagined or seen on our own. He shows us how to make the decisions we need to make through the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that God willingly imparts his wisdom to those who love him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we will go from here and we will make decisions, Lord. The life we now have is already the result of so many decisions that have built up over the years. And for many of us, the life we have is, is not the life we want. And we recognize its limitations and failures, Lord. I pray that you would redeem us, Lord. I pray that you would give us the wisdom that we need to move forward, to have a life that is good, not good in the way this world defines, but good in a way that lines up with your truth, Lord. I pray that you would send your spirit upon us and that we would seek the truth that only that spirit can bring. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.